Amen. Well, welcome. It is great to see you tonight. My name is David. I'm the youth pastor here. I'm excited to share the word with you. And just as Dave said, it has been that. It has been a week of a lot of great and exciting things. It's been great to watch God move in the lives of families. It's been great to watch God move in the hearts of people around us. It was great today to tune into Facebook and to see the church gathered on the capital of Washington, D.C. today, praying and interceding for not only our country, but for our government as we continue to recognize as a people that we cannot do this on our own. And we've not been called to do that either. And so tonight we jump into the second installment of our series, Real Life Facing Off with the Giants. And we're gonna be looking at how we battle these giants that we face each and every day, not in our own strength, but in recognizing who it is and what it is that continues to empower us to take each step. So why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, and as you are flipping there, I want you to think about a word. In fact, it's a very simple word, one that you've heard several times already tonight, and that word is hope. If you have a bulletin or you've got your journal with you, when you get a second after finding Hebrews chapter 6, I want you to write that in big, bold letters on the top of whatever you have. Write the word hope. This word hope has been said to be the one thing that we cannot live without. In fact, the Bible talks about three things that will remain after everything else is gone, right? And what are those three things? It's faith, it's hope, it's love. But this idea of hope can become in our life quite the giant. As we try to hold on to hope, it can take all of our strength especially when hope's old enemy, the giant of doubt, drags us toward despair. You see, when we find ourselves in despair or we find ourselves hopeless, those of you that have been there know that logical thinking can only get you so far in that moment. We many times try to exhaust ourselves by trying to figure out all the reasons why something is happening and how I can muster up inside of myself the strength just to get through it. And even if we could fathom the despairs of all the things that are around us, we still will find ourselves lying one day in a hospital bed or standing beside the same grave or sitting in that same empty house day after day. Here's the truth. We need something solid to hold on to. When the storms of life are crashing around us, what can we do to hold on? The better question is, in whom can we hold on to? The writer of Hebrews says it this way in verse 18. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may greatly be encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. It's firm and secure. This hope, it enters into the sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered in on our behalf. Tonight we look at this biblical truth of hope and how we anchor ourselves to it even in the most dire of circumstances, can we answer the question, is hope real? And how does it give me the strength that I need to battle the giants that I face? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, tonight I pray that it would move us to continue to trust you. God, we thank you for what you've done through Jesus. 
and we're grateful that we continue to see you in all of these places. Lord, help us. Help us tonight to see you as greater than ourselves. We love you and we praise you. It's in his name. Amen. Well, hey, fifth grade and under, I have forgotten about you. And so don't worry. You get to go to Clubhouse tonight too. But if your lesson is anything like what we're going to go up here, it's going to be awesome. Not to boast, but it's going to be awesome tonight. So you got a little preview into that. All right. So to truly understand this context of hope, we need to look no further than what the author of Hebrews give us. We need to recognize that our idea of hope may be very different than what's talked about here in the Bible. In fact, I would say that hope for the most part, what we cling to every day, a lot of times is more wishful thinking than actually true biblical hope. And so what I wanna do is I wanna try to break down for us a few of these false hopes or these half hopes that we've put our life into. The first kind of hope that we often try to cling to is wishful hope. For example, let's say that you're on your way to work or you're on your way to school, you're on your way to a big meeting and that light in front of you turns red, right? Nothing worse than that light turning red and then you look down the end of Lewis and Clark and every other light down there is red as well. And you think to yourself, man, I wish that that light would turn green, right? If only it would turn green, everything else about today would be so much better. But here's what we know. We know that it does not matter how much we wish that that light turns green. That light's going to turn green when it turns green, right? And yes, we can make the choice to run that red light, but we know that there's consequences that come with that. Or at least for Josie, she knows that there's consequences that come with that, Dennis. (laughs) The other kind of hope that we often find ourselves in is expectant hope. And now expectant hope is a bit different because with expectant hope, at least there was something that was done that would cause us to expect something else to take place. For example, let's say that those of you that plant a garden, right? You go out, you till the soil, you water it, you put in the miracle grow, you make sure that the cages are nice and straight, you plant the seeds into the ground, looks great all the way around. But does that guarantee that the harvest is going to come? Does that guarantee that the tomato plant is actually going to make tomatoes? I can tell you it doesn't because my wife and I planted zucchinis this year. Big, beautiful zucchini plant. I'm talking flowers that looked gorgeous. You know how many zucchinis we've eaten out of our yard this year? Zero zucchinis. It never turned into fruit. And we continue to ask, why is that? Well, we had this expectation that it would grow. But at the end of the day, as Brandon says, the distance between our expectations and reality is often filled with what? It's filled with disappointment. And that's why the Bible gives us a third kind of hope, a hope that's solid and real and trustworthy, one that we can actually build our life on. It's called certain hope. This is not wishing hope, it's not a feeling, it's not an expectation of what is to come by my own doing, but rather it's knowing for certain that something has already been done and something is coming. This is what the Bible talks about of being a person of hope. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says it this way, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
the conviction of things not yet seen. Notice the connection between faith and hope that's described here. How can we truly have faith if we have no hope? Well, what is faith if we're not hoping in anything that's certain? The same thing goes the other way. How can we have true hope if we've not rooted our faith in something that we know is not going to fail? Take a look again at our text in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. And what I want you to do is I want you to have your pen or your highlighter ready, and we're going to underline and circle a couple things here, okay? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. We have this hope, underline that, as an anchor, circle that, for the soul, firm and secure. Underline firm and underline secure. Let's talk about an anchor for a minute. If you were to take a look here on the screen, you're going to see a picture of a pretty large anchor. And can someone just really quickly tell me what is the real life purpose of an anchor? What is the anchor's job when it comes to a ship? What, what is its, what's its duty? Someone tell me that. Makes it not float away. Thank you. Let's keep that. Drifting would be the word that we go there. What's the other thing that an anchor does? That's right, it centers it. I heard that out there, it centers it. And what does it center it in? It centers it in the storms that it goes through, right? So the big oil tankers that are continuing to be out at sea in hurricanes and in high winds and in rough surf, they depend upon the anchor to do more than just be a place that they drop so that way they don't drift off course, but also to sturdy them when the wind and the surf begins to toss the boat back and forth. The anchor keeps the boat from drifting and it provides stability in a storm. Recognize in our life that those are the two things that we need often. But how does the anchor do that? Well, certainly we can look at that anchor that's on the screen and we know that part of the anchor's construction is important to how it then stabilizes these things or how it stays in place. First, we know that the weight of the anchor is important. You see, if we were to just drop a small pebble into the ocean, a small piece of something that wasn't dense or it wasn't firm, then what would happen? It would just float to the top. It would be tossed back and forth just like the boat is. But I want you to also think about the construction of that anchor. Bring that picture up for me one more time. Notice how the construction of the anchor matters. What do you see on that anchor at the bottom of it? What do you see there? A curve, right? Or we would call those hooks. Those, those hooks are important. In fact, if we look at how the anchor functions, those hooks are vital to the way in which it's able to stay in place. We need our hope. We need our life to be more than just pebbles in the ocean, so we need a weight to them. But we also need to be very mindful that we have to hook our lives into that too. That we cannot just put a heavy weight down at the bottom, but rather our life needs to be hooked and grabbed and situated in something that's true. The Bible teaches that the anchor of our soul, of our lives, is hooked not in the sand, but rather in the firm foundation that is Christ, the solid rock 
That's what the church is built on. The Bible teaches that it's not money that we hook ourselves into. It's not fame. It's not friendships. It's not our to-do list. It's not our schooling. It's not our job. The anchor we need is found in the certain hope that God is who he says he is and he will do what he has promised. That is the foundation we grab ourselves into. And we all know of this feeling to be tossed back and forth in the winds of life. In fact, Ephesians 4 talks about us before we knew Christ or when we were infants, babies in Christ. It says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. With social media and the excessive amount of information that we have every day, this is more important than ever, is it not? Is it not so easy for us to look at an article that we read online and say, ooh, maybe they're right. I know what the Bible says, but maybe this person, because they write so beautifully and because they have this gorgeous life or they seem to be just this champion for all of these things, maybe they're right. Maybe God's word doesn't have it quite right. That's infancy. That's chasing after everything that feels good. My son knows this well. Samuel does not care what he's supposed to eat for dinner. He wants Dawn's suckers that he gives him at the end of service. He would much rather eat that than the potatoes that we give him, right? The same thing is true for our lives. We find ourselves sinking our teeth, hooking ourselves into things that will never sustain. They're temporary and they cause us to drift away. And just like a boat, drift is so easy to do, especially when the water looks safe and still. How many of you are pontoon boat people or you go canoeing or you have some sort of watercraft? Anybody have watercraft? Cool, we should talk after service because I'd love to borrow that for the day. <laughs> we have these things that we love to go and do, like go out onto the lake to put our anchor in and to do that. And so like if you go out on Patoka Lake, right, that's not a lake in which you're going to see a whole lot of big surf or big waves or things like that. But if you're in a pontoon boat and you drop that anchor down to the bottom and it doesn't hook into something, what, what, what happens? You start to drift away, right? Like the shoreline that used to be really far away. Oh, man, we're coming up on that thing. Or, or maybe that place where we were swimming. Man, the boat's a little bit further away than that. We do the same thing in our everyday spiritual lives. What we do is when everything's going good, what happens? We take our foot off the gas, don't we? We start to rest and think it's okay if I don't anchor myself today. We look at the calm that surrounds us and we forget the importance of the anchor that we've received through Christ. I think we've seen this more intensely than ever in our time in quarantine. And in fact, I'm gonna teach a little bit about this in our high school retreat that's coming up on October 23rd through the 25th as we talk about how we very often drift away when everything feels good or, or, or when we don't have the things to fill our schedule like we used to, right? So a lot of people always give this complaint. I'm one of them. I would read my Bible more if I didn't have this, 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 and this to do every day of my life. Anybody been there? Absolutely, right? Quarantine happens. This, this, and this has gone away. Did anybody grow like exponentially in their Bible reading over quarantine? If you did, praise the Lord. But I can tell you overall, a lot of people fell back in faith. 
because we got in this mundane of normality and trying to just create these rhythms of just sitting in front of Netflix and just binging all of this time. And what we found is that as we come back into these things, we're having to rehook and re-anchor ourselves into the truth of God's word, and it changes our life, right? If I'm gonna hold fast to what God has called me to do in this life, then I'm gonna need to anchor into something that's bigger than me. And the thing that's bigger than me is said in Hebrews 6, verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul that is firm and secure. It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, you can underline, Jesus has entered in on our behalf. Realize today, just as we talked about in communion, that Jesus has gone ahead of us to create a hope that is greater than us. Jesus' death and resurrection gives us an attachment to the anchor that we need at both ends. On the one end, Jesus has paved the way. He's gone behind the curtain and he's allowed for us to anchor our hope in heaven because we can't get ourselves there. By our sin, we are separated from God. But because of what Jesus has done, he has gone ahead of us and tied us to that hope if we choose to believe in him. But then there's the other side of that which is where Jesus has opened up this invitation for us to grab a hold of that hope. And when we grab a hold of this hope that he's given to us, we recognize that these truths, they don't shift, they don't change, and they don't come loose. But often our hands do. Because of what Jesus done, even when we are drift and tossed back and forth, we feel the tug on our life to return to him, to trust him. But many times what we do is we say, I don't know if I can do that. And we let the rope slip through our hands and we drift further out to sea. Praise be to God that he doesn't abandon us. Praise be to God that he continues to search and to call for us that we could grab a hold of that line. In fact, what we need to recognize is that hope recenters us with God's plan, even when I feel like I am way, way outside of it. I want to share with you a few ways that we can cling to this hope, even if we feel outside of it. The first is this, is that real hope is built on God's word and not my wishes. God said over 7,000 promises through his word. And we can take those promises to heart because we've seen them come to pass. In fact, the Old Testament written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth contains over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfills in his life. Through his life and death and resurrection. These are not coincidences but in fact, the odds of that being the case are simply unimaginable. We do not wish that Jesus has done these things. We know for certain that he's done these things. And our hope can be stored in those promises. And it's through this word of God that we've been given, this Bible that we so often just leave on the coffee table or we throw in the backseat of our car that we discover who it is that has invited us into this relationship. It's through this word of God that we understand God's character. It's through his word that we understand about his faithfulness. It's through his word that we understand that I have a purpose in this life and it's more than just being on TikTok, right? It's more than that. In fact, Ephesians chapter two tells us that 
that you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works in which God has prepared in advance for you. Your life has purpose and meaning, and you discover that purpose and meaning when you surrender to his word and his leadership in your life. That gives you hope. Gives you hope when you're sitting alone at the school table. It gives you hope when your job falls out underneath of you. It gives you hope when your health doesn't serve you. Remember the words of Jesus in John chapter 16. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have what? You may have peace. And in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, why? Because I've overcome the world. Because I'm greater than that. You anchor your hope in the world, you will find yourself quickly disappointed over and over again. You anchor your hope in what Jesus has done, you've anchored your hope in the one that's greater than the world. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Notice the number of the things that pose difficulty, that pose a threat, that would try to cause separation, yet not one of them has the power to separate us from this hope that we have in Christ, which brings us to the second foundational point that we learn, that this certain hope that we have talks about a future hope that has been promised and that is greater than any current circumstance that we might face. God has made a promise to us. He said, I will come for you. Yes, the waves will roar, but you need not to fear for he has promised to take us to be where he is. Our great hope and the promise is that we have been given the opportunity to trust in what Jesus has done and that we can trust in the hope that that seals for us in heaven. In that moment that we pass away from this earth, there will be no more death, there will be no more crying, there will be no more pain, there will be no more cancer. The former things of life will have passed away and the one seated at the throne, the anchor for our soul says this, behold, I have made all things new. You see, the earth will rumble, the sky will roar, and those that don't know him, they will tremble and they will fear. But as people who have trusted in the promise of God, we do not fear death nor the return of Jesus. Rather, it is our great hope, a certain hope that he will return. We celebrate knowing the end of the story. Those who refuse to submit to that, they will continue to be passed back and forth by the waves and the cunningness and the fads and all the things that would try to make them think that they can do this on their own. The last thing that true, honest, real hope does is that hope brings us home. John chapter 14, Jesus says, let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And why would I have gone to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. Let me ask you today, what is it that you are so excited for when this world passes away? Certainly, there are things that we get excited for in this world, like waking up and taking a fresh breath of air and this beautiful fall weather that we have. Yes, we get excited to see the birth of children that God has been so faithful to provide. Yes, we get excited to see the victories that happen here on earth, but nothing in this world can compare to the future excitement and hope that we have in heaven. Nothing can compare to that. Uh, maybe for you, it's, it's looking at this reality that there will be no more pain. Uh, maybe it's for you the hope of seeing the loved one that you know believed in Jesus Christ again. Maybe for you, it's seeing the face of your Savior, Jesus. For me, I look most forward to hearing the roar of worship as every tribe and tongue they all worship the same God, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. Know that the celebration is already underway at our true home. And this compels us to live differently. When we understand the future glory of heaven, we see that the giants of our presence begin to shrink. Romans 8, Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy with the glory that has been revealed to us. The results of the scan that we received, the struggle of trying to fit in, the pain of missing out on something, they all hit a little differently when we understand this trustworthy and certain hope that we have. And it's this hope that charges us forward. It's this hope that calls us to be more than just participants. I shared in staff meeting on Thursday morning, one of my observations of what God has been doing in this past week is watching people step up to the plate and not ask, where can I just serve at? Which we know that we've been called to serve and to love and to continue to look at Jesus's model. But they've asked, where can I lead at? Where can I use my gifts, my talents, my story to influence those to know this hope that I know in my life? I think of Miranda, who sent me a text this week about Fall Festival. She got the email from Brandon, and she just bypassed his email, and she went right to me, and she said, David, where can I lead at Fall Festival this year? And I said, Miranda, why don't you lead the welcome table? Because I know that for you, that's what made the difference, right? Right? For you is the welcome that you received when you walked in the door here that said, oh, I, 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 could, I could come back to this place. Scripture says it this way. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. This is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. Today, if you are ready to take your next step, to anchor your life in something that's greater than the world, then I invite you to come and let's have a conversation about your next step. Would we not be so foolish to continue to try to put our anchor into the sands of the everyday, but may we anchor our hope in the rock 
of eternity, the hope of Jesus Christ, who has allowed for us to say yes to him. Let's stand together and let's pray. God, thank you for the hope that we have in you. Father, we all know that feeling of being tossed back and forth. We all know the feeling of drift in our life. And we are grateful that we have an anchor for our soul that is found in you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take our eyes off of ourself and our current situation and that we would lift them to you in heaven knowing that you're greater. God, that we would know that every moment that we have here on this earth is an opportunity to trust you Father, for wherever we are today, I pray that we would let go of ourselves and that we would cling to you and know that you don't move, you don't shift, and you don't come loose. Father, thank you for Jesus. It's in him that all hope has been given. And it's in him that we pray. Amen. Come now if you're ready to respond.